It's the Dogcast, episode number 259. Hey, it's Dan McGill's birthday. Happy 90th, Mr. McGill. You're a great bulldog, a living legend. And it's reverse recruiting show. National Signing Day is almost here. Let's go, dogs. Dog fans, it's the Dogcast, episode number 259. We're coming to you live from Athens, Georgia, out of the bunker, 60 feet beneath the turf of hallowed Sanford Stadium. Old Dog, the podcast is back, man. It's, uh, you know, the bowl game is over. The bowl 2010 is over. It's fresh start time, baby. It's new recruiting season, National Signing Day just around the corner, and there is Week away, I think. a crackling air of excitement in Athens. Some people are saying best class, possibly best class ever for the University of Georgia. Even better than the 2006 class, old dog. Which, which we'll take a look at here in just a minute. That's right. We've had some changes in we've had some changes in Athens that we need to talk about though. Real quick, I'm just gonna hit this and I know a lot of people have a lot of emotions on both sides of this old dog, including you. But our offensive line coach and running game coordinator, Stacy Searles, has left Athens for the brown, dusty, dry pastures of Austin, Texas, and has become the offensive line coach at uh, under Mac Brown at the University of Texas. And old dog, there is an you know, a, a lot of, like I said, a lot of attitudes on both sides. A lot of people are saying good riddance, and it, it runs from the good riddance, see you, Stacy, don't let the door hit you in the ass, to the man, you know, who who are we going to get to replace him, basically, you know? What are your thoughts on the Stacy Searles uh, leaving? Well, I mean, I'm, I am not, I'm one that thought it was probably time for a change, because obviously something was not working there. Yes. But with that, I will also say that Stacy Searles was probably the best coach that we had, and you know I'm sorry to lose someone of that caliber. And I know it's not our listeners because we are the intelligentsia of the Bulldog Nation. But you get on some of these, you read some of these blogs like the AJC and some of these other ones, and you have these idiots, you know, going in like, yeah, you know, that was the problem. Blah, 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 all that stuff. Well, you know, I mean, let's get a grip first off. Uh, you know, top quality programs called one of our coaches. Yeah. You know, good buddy Will Muschamp, when he took over at Texas, I mean, took over at Florida, didn't pick up the phone and call Mike Bobo <laughs> right. to come be his offensive coordinator. I think shine has really rubbed off of Ronnie Gardner's penny, and I think that's probably one we have bought into far too long, worried about losing him and what that would do to our recruiting and all of this other stuff. So with that said, and, you know, the others, you know, in other blogs, it was like they they put a line in the sand. You know, it's, 
it was coach you either wanted to fire coach Rick and keep Stacy or vice versa. I mean, you know, that's that's silly. They all needed to go. Right. And I am still of the opinion that for our program to get back to where it needs to be and the greatness is we need to wipe the slate clean. Everybody needs to go. And I'm, I mean, Stacy is a good friend of yours, a friend of mine. I am happy for him. He has gone to what is annually a top ten program. I mean, they played for the national championship a year ago. Yeah. Well, you're right. I mean, he is a good friend of the show and a really good friend of mine. I've known him for yeah, 25 years, you know. And uh, I'm not going to go in. You know, a lot of people had a lot of opinions about it, but and I'm not going to go too deep into it right now. We might talk about it a little more later. But I'm telling you, if you think that the – like you said, I think it's a good point. You know, I think the mark of a good program – is that your assistants are constantly being targeted. You know what I mean? You look at uh, Charlie Strong, and you look at Dan Mullen, and you look at Will Muschamp and Kirby Smart. The, the kind of assistants that are being targeted are at the kind of programs that you want to have. You know, And um, we had basically one coach on our program that was worthy of being targeted by another top program you know like help by any school yeah nobody's beating the door down for mike bobo or, or trying to pick up joe tarashinsky as their strength coach you know what i mean that we may do okay with them we may not whatever but i'm just telling you the facts are nobody's targeting those yeah. guys we had one coach on our staff that was that had you know a national championship ring as a coach besides coach besides coach rick we had one, you know, proven successful coach that had been successful everywhere he's been. And let me tell Except you, one place. is going to be successful again. And let me tell you, if that's the kind of guy that you're like, yeah, good riddance, you need to get the hell out of here, you know. If you think that's going to fix our program, getting rid of the only coach that anybody in America thinks is worth shit on our staff, then you are really got the wrong, wrong attitude about the future, my friend. So... Well, and the other thing that, that I have to look at too, and, you know, I think it's interesting, and I, I realize we are right in the middle of the recruiting season, but there has, other than the quick day or two worth of articles about, you know, who is going to replace Coach Sorrells on the offensive line, you haven't heard Dick. You haven't heard a single anybody. word. And, and I, as much as I hate to say it, I am telling you, out there, we are probably, that position is probably looked at as a lame duck. I mean, because, you know, as much as we want to talk about, hey, that's going to get turned around, it's going to, you know, we've got the dream team coming in, and we're going to win the national championship, and we're going to do this and that. I mean, if I am a top-notch offensive line coach, and I've got a secure job someplace, I really don't think I'm willing to risk it to throw my hat in the ring with Mark Rick, who may and more than likely is going to be out on his ass next year. Well, that's a good point. That's a really good point. And, uh, you know, we do have, we're going to talk about this class here in just a second. I mean, I'm just going to be interested to see who we get. I do hope we get somebody good. I hope we get somebody well, And we could get somebody that wants to move up. I mean, that's pretty much what we need to find is a well, young either, guy who would be that, willing to make that, make that gamble. Either that or I tell you who we might end up with is Mac McGuarter. Yeah. Because okay. he retired. Uh, <laughs> he, he's a Georgia guy. 
and he might come in and say, yeah, you know, I'll do it for one year. Well, how do you like that? How do you like the idea of maybe bringing in like a Bill Stanfield or a, uh, you know, a John Stinchcomb or, uh, you know, just some other assorted offensive lineman from the past? Well, which seems know, to be the the way we doing things in Athens these days. Well, we need obviously, to get a former obviously player. to get a job, you need to have been a player. <laughs> exactly. If you're a former player and you know anything about offensive line, send in your resume. I, I tell you, let's let Lauren Smith be the offensive line coach. <laughs> At least that would take the down microphone away from it. <laughs> okay. So anyway, but I mean, but anyway, maybe so. But we need. You know, that's neat to throw out, but as far as I know, Stiscombe has never coached, uh, obviously not on the college level. Right. He may have coached some peewee football. I don't think Bill Stanfell, I mean, they're, they're great offensive line coaches, but, I mean, they're great, they were great offensive linemen, but who knows how they coached. I know. I would I'm, love I'm kind to of get just kidding about that. That's, obviously. I would love to get somebody that's proven that's a winner. I'm not sure we're going to be able to. And one more thing about the Stacey Searle situation. Like I said, I do think it's probably a good move for the University of Georgia, and it's a great move for Stacey. I mean, you know, he need, he's he's uh, making hay while the sun is still shining. You know what I mean? Because being able to get out of town and, and move laterally or move up, however you want to call that, while he can, while he's still valuable, you know, if he waits until possibly the, you know, the – Mark Rick regime goes down all the way, then he becomes less valuable. I think it was a good move for him. I do think a change was needed, maybe at offensive line coach in Athens, and I think it's a good move for. I think it's a good move all the way around. Having said that, though, old dog, you know, Coach Searles was banging the table from day one about strength and conditioning, which is pretty much you know where we we took up the call on on we took up the call three years ago. And, uh, you know, Coach Searles was threatened with termination because he made too big a deal about it, complaining right. about the strength and conditioning staff. He was threatened with termination, you know, because they said, look, if you keep bringing that up, we're not making a change to strength and conditioning. This was like three years ago. We're not making a change to strength and conditioning. You need to work within the program that we have. And if you keep talking about it, we're going to put you in the road, you know. Then, well, co- then Coach Searles, out of his own pocket, pays for his own graduate assistance to try to be inside the weight room to raise a level of accountability, he and Bobo are paying for that, trying to get that done, then that gets killed, because you can't have that, can't have increased accountability, we'll let the strength conditioning staff run that, so that plan gets killed. He tried everything possible to try to improve the conditioning of our team and our specifically our offensive linemen, because when you've got guys out there running wind sprints, you got Stacy Searles running jogging three miles on campus. He meets our offensive line at the Woodruff practice fields at the end of a three mile jog, and then and he's you know forty six years old and he's still smoking our eighteen, nineteen, twenty year old offensive lineman. When our offensive line coach is running faster forties than our offensive line players at the end of a three mile jog through campus, you got a conditioning problem, buddy. Yeah, and and along those lines, I mean, I I think it's funny now too when you read stuff since the change in our strength and conditioning staff. I mean, a year and a half when the Bleacher Report, you know, when that kid wrote into the Bleacher Report and the thing kind of snowballed a little bit, and you and I were just called absolute idiots. We didn't know what they were talking about talking about because great investigative reporters picked up the phone and called Coach Rick. 
and, and said, hey, you know, what's up? You know, you're strengthening, you know. So, but the whole tone, if you've noticed in the last two months, it's, was like a given. Yeah, everybody knew the strength and conditioning program was bad. And, and thank heavens we finally made a change. You know, come on. Yeah. I mean, up until, up until six months ago, you and I were the only people out there beating the drum saying that something had to change and that was a major problem. And if you brought we it had, up, I if think, you brought it up around I, the Buttsmere building, you might, you were, <laughs> you were threatened with termination. They, yeah, know? they were going to take your tickets away. Don't even talk about I, it. You know, and, and the funny thing was, you know, it was, I believe the quote was, we had made Van Hallinger the new boogeyman. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because he's you doing a great job. Great job. We're backing him up 100%. So let's, let's never forget two things. When we tell you something, even if it goes against the grain, it's true. You need to write it on a deposit slip and take <laughs> it to the bank because they'll take it. And the other thing is... When we get on your ass, you're gone. <laughs> so, moving on, this is, old dog, our famous reverse recruiting show, the anti-recruiting show, because anybody who's a listener of the show knows that, uh, you know, we're not the biggest fans of recruiting around the dog cast. You know what I mean? We don't follow it like a lot of people do. You know, we're not like the guys over at Rivals that, like, live and die on the whims of a 17-year-old. You know, is he coming? Is he not coming? Oh, my gosh, he's screwing with me. I can't sleep until I know if we're going to get this guy or not. Look, we always like to go every year and we look back four years ago at the class that was, you know. And this year, surprisingly, it, the class that was, 2006. What some people say might have been the best class ever up till possibly this year, old dog. We were ranked number four in the country, number four recruiting class in the country. This was the class that contained... Matthew Stafford and Noshawn Moreno and Darius Dewberry, Nadaris Ward, you know? Yeah. Great players like Nadaris Ward. Um, and, uh, so we always had to go back. Your boy, Brent Miller. Yeah, Prince Miller was in this class, you know? I mean, you had, uh, Darius Dewberry was a five-star linebacker. Uh, Prince Miller, um, four-star out of, out of Duncan, South Carolina, Burns High School, Akeem Hebron, um, five-star linebacker out of Maryland. Um, Matthew Stafford, Munzenmeyer, Daryl Gamble. This was a huge class filled to well, the brim with four-star I mean, recruits. You know, and before we go any further on this, less, I mean, we realize that recruiting is an absolute necessity for our program to get back to where it needs to be. And we have got to recruit good players. But these guys that get out there and, you know, get a Woody over five stars and, you know, this and that, let's just look real quick at the fourth-ranked class in 2006. We had four five-star players. I'm just going to read their names, and you can draw your own conclusions. Darius Dewberry was five stars. Akeem Hebron was five stars. Matthew Stafford was five stars, and Brandon Knock on Wood was five stars. Yes, absolutely. There you go. 
And conversely, you had, you know, lowly little Chris Durham at three stars. Sean, Sean Champ is three stars. Exactly. Sean Champ is three stars. Um, Munzenmeyer, three stars. Michael Lemon, who, you know, had a long story, came, went, and everything, and is now being, still being successful at Division One level, uh, was a three star guy. You had, a, we were covered up in four star players too. Guys in the middle of the road there like Asher Allen and Prince Miller. Um, Keontae Tripp, uh, Quentin Banks, you know, he was a three-star. Akeem Dent, uh, Geno Atkins. There were some really great players, guys who did step up and perform for us. But and how about – let's talk for just a minute, old dog, about the like Rashad Jones and Asher Allen. Two four-star recruits at defensive backfield who, in my opinion, were – didn't necessarily have stellar careers at Georgia as defensive backs. You know what I mean? They're no, they got torched and couldn't tackle. Perfectly serviceable, I guess, if you want to. I would say perfect. If, if you need someone that gets torched and can't tackle, they were. <laughs> but, they, as a matter of fact, they exceeded, excelled at that. But, <laughs> no one, I'm I, telling you right I'm now. I'm trying to be no kinder. One bump, <laughs> no one could try to bump you out of bounds better than Jones and Allen. Uh, <laughs> Except possibly Prince Miller. But exactly. all three of these guys... But he guys, catching punts on the two to really concentrate on the other. All three of these guys have gotten a run in the pros. And Asher Allen is a 17-game starter for a, you know, a championship-caliber football team. Lily's last year was a championship-caliber football team. Rashad Jones playing in the pros. You know, um, there has been a ton of talent come through this. There have been a ton of stars that didn't turn out, just like every recruiting class and there's been a ton of talent that maybe didn't turn out for us but did turn out at the next level you know so although like we said i know recruiting is important and i know we need players and getting the dream team would be great but just trying to inject a little bit of perspective you know just pump the brakes before you jump off the roof in excitement over the greatness of this class okay so um we're we're right. just we're it's, just trying to get you to to remember that uh there there's a long way between getting recruited as a five star recruit and actually putting out on Sanford Stadium turf and being a five star player at the college level. Absolutely. And, I mean and I would say of the four names I read out one actually you know was the player that we thought he was going to be. Right. Exactly. You know that turned out. So you know that's where we are. You know, with that, and again, I, I do not want us to turn into a South Carolina type of fan base where, you know, the, the next coach we're going to get is the guy that's going to turn it around. The next or player, the next, the next receiver. The next, exactly. Right. I mean, yeah, do I want to get Isaiah Cromwell? Absolutely. Do I know if he can perform at the college level? Hell, I've got no idea whatsoever, and neither does anybody else. Right, right. I mean, and, and you know, this class, you know, this we usually do this re- reverse recruiting thing because it's kind of funny to look back and see. You know, it's it's not. I don't know if "funny's" the word or not, old dog. But it's it's interesting yeah, to look back and see the the booms and the busts from a particular class. This class actually, in terms of performance, was really one of our. I guess maybe. 
as far as pers- individual players, was one of our better performing classes. But as a group of seniors, the ones that made it to seniors, as a group of last year, as a group of juniors, these guys uh, won eight games. As seniors, they won six games. You know, So on the field, having the number four class in America, that turned into six wins as a senior class. Yeah, And, I mean, I know a lot of people might think that's not fair because a lot of these guys aren't even here anymore. I mean, uh, Geno Atkins is gone. Noshawn Moreno is gone. Um, Stafford's gone. Stafford's gone. You know, Michael, ha- most, of this class, most of this class is gone, you know. But, um, but still, on, on the field, wins and losses, the number four team, the number four class in America from 2006 didn't really produce the, the, as many wins as we might have hoped they would. No, it definitely was an underperformer. So that said, uh, let's look forward to this year's class, old doll, because we've had some surprises, and I think we have some surprises left to come. And as you said, I'm still excited about this class. I want, we want, we need players. Christian, oh, there's no doubt. Christian LeMay already on campus, man. A uh, four-star quarterback. Uh, some think maybe he's, you know, may have been a five-star quarterback if he'd played his senior season. Missed, uh, you know, missed. Didn't wasn't able didn't stay at his original school where he kind of earned those four stars for a senior senior season and and is early enrolled at Athens, um, and we've got some great guys. Look at these offensive linemen, guys like Watts Dantzler and Zach DeBell, six seven. We have three old dog. Count them one two three. Six, seven offensive linemen with the, with the, with the signing of Xavier Ward last night. Six, seven, or not signing, but you know what I mean, verbal content, I mean verbal, verbal commitment. Six, seven, 270, Xavier Ward. Six, seven, 265, Zach DeBell. And six, seven, 315, Watts Dantzler. Man, I'm telling you, we're getting some beef on the line, which is what we need in the trenches, buddy. There, there's no doubt, and Aaron Murray's going to have to get some lifts for his cleats to throw over that kind of. <laughs> I'm line. telling you, we got some offense. We got some beef. I mean, and on the on the defensive side, you know, we've got Chris Mays at six five, two hundred and ninety five pounds. Man, Sterling Bailey, in defensive end, six five, two sixty. Um. I mean, I'm excited about what we've recruited here, and none of these guys have had any problem with with Stacey Searles leaving. You know, we haven't lost a commit because of Searles leaving. You know, right. Um, and and my only hope is with you know that's all said about how great this recruiting class is now, and really how wonderful it could be if we pick up a couple more signees. Uh, you know, again, they have got to perform on the field. Yes. And we can't, you know, you can't stop it at that point. And like I say, as, as silly as I think it is bringing Thomas Brown in as the assistant strength and conditioning coach or whatever his title is, he did say one good thing in some of the stuff I was reading. Apparently, and, and I had forgotten this, he was like the number one running back recruit in Georgia, was three or four in the nation. Yet when he stepped on campus, he ended up being like number four or five on the depth chart. And his whole thing is we need to get competition back right. within the program. And if that has been lacking, then – it just goes back to what we've been saying. The coaches are losing, if not have lost, 
the team. Right. And if you've got players, or and I mean not just players, this goes to life in general. If you feel entitled to your job and that you don't have to perform to earn your scholarship or your paycheck or whatever it may be, then you've already lost. Right. And and maybe that's where we are. And I I hope the guys we've got in place now can turn that around and can bring back this level of competition. And I'll tell you this, one thing that would really help with that is name a starting running back and have him run every damn down there is. No more of this everything by committee stuff because that just – then everyone's going to play. I mean, hell, it's like Little League Baseball. You know, everyone gets a chance to play. I agree, old dog. I, you know, and I'm, I'm hoping that uh, I'm, I'm hoping that the changes at uh, in strength and conditioning take take effect. I hope Thomas Brown makes an impact. I hope Kendrell Bell is the secret sauce we've been looking for. Um, you know, we got Jay Rome. I mean, a lot of people are excited about Jay Rome, and I'm excited about Jay Rome too. You know, a tight end. It's a four-star tight end. He's six five, two fifty-five, the number four tight end in the country. But that gives us what but, we've got twenty tight ends on the roster. I know. Now. I mean, hell, we got what I think might be the best damn tight end in the country. Too. You know, we have some of the best tight ends in the country already. I mean, really, how much impact can Jay Rome make immediately? I, I don't know. You know, but still hanging around out there, we've got the John Jenkins, which is the nose tackle of your dreams, who is a JUCO transfer john jenkins isaiah crowell and the bubbly effervescent ray drew uh 243 pound defensive end ray drew who says i'm not sure if i'm going to auburn i'm not sure if i'm going to georgia or maybe i'm going to a wax school i really like the way ray drew is handling i mean honestly this kid gets it man i mean he is he is you know, I think he knows what he's going to do. I think he knows what school. I think he's just saying stuff to mess with people, which I kind of think is hilarious. Yeah, and, and I think it's so funny that adults that let a guy like this mess with them. I know, I know. People pay money to hear what Ray Drew's got to say. You know what I mean? It's, it's funny, man. I'm telling you. I'm really excited. I mean, I, If we can land John Jenkins and Isaiah Crowell and Ray Drew – are you prepared to go on? Are you prepared to call this the best recruiting class that Georgia has ever had, old dog? Sure, why not? Or are you going to say the best recruiting class Georgia ever had was the recruiting class that c- contained "Hand Over Your Heart," Herschel Walker? Herschel Walker, you obviously, and and right. obviously it was because and and maybe we will get that kind of player again, right? That that can bring us to that level. But I'm telling you what. There obviously that was the best. If we had only gotten one player in that class, and that was Herschel, right? Then that's what did it. Because I'm telling you, he took. I mean, we went from 1979, where we got beat by every ACC team we played. We lost to Wake Forest, right? You know, and and we went from that to an undefeated season and winning a national championship. And that was absolutely, I mean, because we have Herschel, but we also played as a team. I think that's a great way to finish up the program, too, because I think really, in essence, that's what sums up what we're trying to say about recruiting in general. Because we're Georgia fans. I'm not a fan of, uh, you know, Clark Central. 
Okay, I'm not a fan of Tucker County High School. I'm a fan of the University of Georgia. And at the end of the day, the only damn stat that matters to Georgia fans is wins in Division One football, in SEC football. It has got nothing to do with your stars or you know where your position ranking is and all that kind of stuff. I need a guy that can bring home the hardware. Look back at Buck Blue. God, how many freaking stars did Buck Blue have, old dog? One. Well, I think you automatically got three if you were a quarterback at Valdosta High. <laughs> right. Back, That's, back true. That's true. That's true, because at Valdosta, man, Valdosta, you could bring the heat back in the 70s and the 80s. I mean, you know? I tell you, they held you back in kindergarten so you would be bigger <laughs> when you got to high school. So, you know. I need a guy that can bring home the hardware. Is one of these guys that we're looking at signing on signing day this year a guy that can bring home the hardware? At the end of the day, I don't give a crap about how many stars you got, dude. I need a guy who wants to compete, who wants to work, who wants to win, who wants it worse than Colorado wants it, who wants it worse than Mississippi State wants it. I need some guys that want to win. Not to read in the newspaper about how many awesome stars they have. So that's what I'm looking for in a recruiting class. And I can't tell if they want to win until we're down by five and there's four minutes to go and you're on the road at Neyland Stadium or you're on the road and by you. Or, you know, that's what we got to find out. That's when this damn recruiting class is going to be judged and evaluated as far as I'm concerned. Exactly. And, and going back, just reiterating what you said, in 2006, this was the fourth best recruiting class in the nation. At the end of 2010, is there anyone that would have ranked those players as the fourth best group of college football players ever assembled? I don't think so. I mean, hell, we got eight going to the combine. That's great. We have eight players in the NFL combine, old dog. And no, that's eight. That's damn near half your starting turn. Eight out of 22 starters in the NFL combine, legitimate NFL prospects. That's good for six wins. Mm-hmm. So, you know, don't tell me how many stars you got, kid. Tell me how bad you want to win between the hedges. Exactly. And how much effort you're going to put out not just on the field, but more importantly, off the field. So How much effort are you going to put up when you wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning and get out and do your running? Right, because I'm going to tell you something. The, get into the weight room and not just sign in and do a couple bicep curls to get that pretty muscle and then leave and go eat a fatty hamburger. Yeah, because let me tell you, everybody's excited. I mean, you know, we're, it, this is nothing nobody doesn't know. But look, everybody can get excited when they put on the red and black, dude, and you come out of the tunnel on game day, okay? I need to know that you're going to be excited in February, you know, when it's getting dark early and nobody cares and nobody's paying attention and there's no reporters out there. I need to know you're going to work hard then. And I know there are players out there. There are players on this current team right now that are willing to work hard and they need some help. We need some reinforcements. And that's what I'm looking for out of this recruiting class. 
So thanks for listening, dog fans. That's going to wrap it up for us today. Give us a call at 706-363-0210. We're going to be back with a show. I think we might come out with one more show maybe just before, maybe the night before signing day, and then we're going to come out with another show right after signing day to kind of let you know what's going to happen and let you know what did happen, and then we're on to spring ball. So thanks for listening. It's the number one ranked podcast in all of Georgia football, the original. You know, old dog, we got some competition out there now. There, uh, Georgia football podcasts coming out of the woodwork now. Have you noticed that? Well, no, I haven't, and nobody because, else and, has either. And, but right, uh, <laughs> and the reason, and the reason is, you say competition. I just say there's some other podcasts out there. There, you there go. ain't no competition for me and you. Dog fans, thanks for listening. Email us at dogcast at gmail.com. We'll be back with everything you need to know about National Signing Day coming up in just a little short week from now. Thanks for listening. Go dogs. Brought to you by Chili's. Come experience the art of the margarita at chilismargaritamadness.com.